Well, Vinny, you have an interesting story. I mean, you're the, I believe I read you're the army's best medic. Yes. So yeah. Back, so that's a story. There's a story there. I'm curious. There is a, there is a story there for sure. So uh, in 2014 uh, was the second time I competed in the army's annual competition. Uh, it's a two man team or two person team, I should say. And uh, in 2014, we were the winning team for the army's best medic competition. Absolutely brilliant. So Vinny, I'm, I'm sorry, but in order to win something like that, there is leadership and teamwork at play. And this is oh, a yeah. show all about leadership and the transformation stories behind that. I'm curious what's your, your origin story that, that started your path to where you are right now? So I was, I mean, college kid in Pennsylvania back in 2001. Um, September 11th happens and shortly thereafter, I was always interested in the military it kind of triggered me to make the decision to leave college and join the military. Um, so I toiled with the idea from September to February of 2002. And then in February, it was like, this, it's the time I'm going to do it. And I joined the military, uh, joined the army and the late entry program. And then in July of 2002, right after my 21st birthday, shipped off to basic training to uh, start my military career. Wow. So uh, tell me about that. Okay. So there's a transition and a transformation that I'm sure happened during basic training. Who mm -hmm. did you come into that experience as uh, from a, from a male perspective, you know, being a man entering basic training and how did you leave? So, I mean, going in your typical, you know, you know, teenager, early adult, you know, thinking that life is this grandiose thing. And, you know, you start to realize like, you know, not that I was a sheltered kid at all by any stretch of imagination, but my parents always were really good to us. We had a, you know, mom and dad at the house. So it was in a way like, you know, growing up, you know, in that environment, like you just you know, you, you become this person, right? Going through, you know, church and school and working here and there. And then you join the military and it's a completely different environment than what you're used to, where your parents are there, supportive, take care of you, like to a point where like, uh, one, you have to become self-reliant on yourself and B, learn to deal and train and become part of a team that uh, it's completely different environment than what you're used to. I mean, I grew up playing soccer as, you know, in a team and running track and field, but that in itself wasn't quite the, you know, the preparation that I figured would set me for success at basic training. So that environment was definitely different than anything I've ever experienced before that. Um, obviously there were times during that basic training and most people don't admit it, but you know, your question, like, did I make the right decision? Do I, I want to go home? Like, you know, I want to go back to the comforts of my, you know, my parents' house and then realizing that, okay, no, I, I can do this. Number one, number two, you know, I mean, this is me stepping out into the world, becoming who I'm supposed to be and seeing where it goes from there on. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that basic training is built the way it is for, for a reason, Right. I mean, it, it's got to divorce you, for lack of a better term, from from right. your old ways, your old habits and your old patterns and create a new framework of of operating 
from, if you will. Yeah. I, I'm curious if you had to do that over again, what would have made that experience, uh, what would have better prepared you for that experience had you known? Um, to be honest, I don't know that there is anything that would have been uh, better preparation. Uh, if anything, perhaps have read more books about uh, the military lifestyle, you know what I mean? But I did part of the, like I was in the Young Marines for probably like a year and a half, two years in high school, uh, which is kind of like Boy Scouts for the Marines, I guess, for lack of a better term. So I kind of was exposed to military things there. Um, I've read plenty of books. I read, I watched plenty of movies. I mean, you know, the whole, um, um, I'm drawing a blank from the name, Ben of Brothers, right? Ben of Brothers came out in that time frame. Uh, Black Hawk Down, like those movies that, you know, back in the early 2000s kept coming out about warfare, like those things kind of prepared me for it. You know, a full metal jacket, like you understand what the basic training is for the Marines in that case. But um, it's one thing to prepare yourself, read and watch movies. And it's another thing entirely to go through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's a great metaphor for life. I remember um, being a father to a teenage son. I, I think I was so worried about his health, well-being and safety. My my strategy was to protect him from the experiences, you know, right. that were, of course, life-threatening, but any experiences that would cause harm. Well, it was probably yeah. overkill for the most part. Um, yeah. And he even tells me to this day as a grown man, he said, you know, I appreciate everything you tried, but yeah. I had to experience it in order to grow and in order to learn. Do you think, yeah. do you think, um, uh, gosh, I want to say there is another pandemic at play and it's the decline of men and masculinity. Um, oh, I believe it's really is it, how do we bring that back? Is it more experiences that push men out of the comfort zone? Uh, I'm I'm trying to work on a strategy here. Help me, Vinny. Yeah. So I, I do fully believe that. I mean, you think about back in the day, and I'm talking hundreds and thousands of years ago, you know, males were in a society where hunter-gatherers, you know, where you go through this train-up phase, basically, as a kid. You know, and then to enter into the adult male role, you kind of have to go through a trial and tribulation in your teens, right? After your, all your preparation. And I truly think that nowadays we don't have that anymore. Like we go, you know, through life, for the lack of better terms, most parents, like from our age time frame, you know what I mean? They, they're the helicopter parent style where they overprotect their kids and, uh, you know, it prevents them from ever experiencing anything like that. So when they do get later on, you know, later teenage years, early adulthood, and they start to really face life's adversities, you know, at that point, they're not prepared for it because they never truly experienced that transition phase, preparation phase, if you will, to really be ready for that challenge. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's so much. So if if there's a young man listening in his teens right now and this this has hit a nerve and he wants to be better as a man he wants to be better prepared for the next challenge in life what uh, from from your experiences as an elite leader as an elite athlete as a as a, a hero right what advice would you have for somebody curious at at a young age 
Yeah. Um, I would say that obviously participating in sports is huge, uh, particularly the team sports. Uh, track and field, for example, like I played, I ran track back in the day. It's a great athletic endeavor and it prepares you mentally and physically. Uh, and it does have a little bit of a team concept to it, depending what you're doing, but it's not the true team type environment, like in, you know, football, soccer, you know, where you have to depend on other people for the success of the opera, the, the event, you know what I mean? So um, participation in those events, for sure. Um, being out in nature teaches you so much, you know what I mean? So like here I am, I'm actually in the car right now because I'm driving up state Pennsylvania to go, you know, overnight camp in the boom dock as best as I can. And I mean, just me and my dog and we're just going to, you know, camp out and just be self-reliant and away from everything and plug from the world and just, you know, you know, just be with nature. And that helps a lot, I think. Uh, I, I uh, certainly agree. I think there are a lot of lessons in nature that we can learn from, right? Uh, on how to grow, how to adapt, how to persevere. Nature's got it figured out uh, for sure. Right. So Vinny, I'm, I'm curious, did mentorship play an important part in your early, early adolescent development? Did you have a, a mentor who helped shape or provide a framework uh, for operating under? I, of course. Yeah. So obviously I learned a lot from my dad, uh, good and bad things. Right. So, uh, I would say he was definitely one of my mentors growing up and I've had being, uh, in sports, I had several coaches that were those mentors, particularly for me, uh, sports related. It was probably my track coach who was, you know, he was that mentor role in that environment. And then from the, uh, religious side of the house, you know, the, not just the pastor himself, but the youth minister, you know what I mean? Like he was actually uh, maybe part of the reason why I, you know, contemplated military. He was a former Marine. You know and I mean, and even though he actually like, it then encouraged the military, you know, he, he talked about his experiences and that kind of like really made me more interested in, in the, uh, in, a, in the thought of it more so than, you know, maybe otherwise. Mm, nice. I, I certainly appreciate the value of mentorship and know it matters, especially right. today. Um, Vinny, I'm curious. So we talked about basic training and that that massive transition and transformation that took place right there. Uh, yep. What was the next one that you experienced from a from a transformation perspective? Transformation perspective. So from basic training, I went to advanced individual training, became a medic uh, down in Fort Sam Houston, Texas. Right back to Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, from to go to Airborne School, and from there to North Carolina uh, to be in 82nd. So I spent three years there, and out of those three years, basically a year and a half of it, a year, year and a half of it, was deployed overseas in two different uh, combat deployments to Iraq. So I would say that very first deployment probably was the most, the biggest next transformative phase of, you know, that life piece um, after basic training, I'd say. Yeah. And tell me about that. How did you go in and how did you leave? And what was, what was that transformation that so made you? It was, more... it was, it was very interesting, right? Because here you are, you know, you're, you're, I mean, I was, I was in my 21, 22 at the time, but most of the guys around me, there were, you know, that 18 to 20 range, they were younger uh, than me for, by a few years. So not that I was the old wise guy, but, you know, in a way I was already that, you know, older guy in the group, even though I was mostly hanging out with my peers, you know what I mean? 
And as a medic, you're, I was an infantry platoon medic. So I was the only provider basically for the 40 guys that I was assigned to, you know, I was like mom and dad at times, you know, because, you know, infantrymen are infantrymen, right? They're, they have their, their tough love language that they use on their own Joes, you know, and their soldiers. So a lot of times when those guys would be, you know, upset, disappointed, they couldn't go necessarily to their team leaders, squad leader, platoon sergeants, they would come to me and just talk about different things. Um, so there's that interesting beginning to, for me at least, like the beginning of my, you know, leadership development and mentoring of others, if you will. And then not only that, but like my, my own transformation, right? Coming from being this idealistic, you know, early guy going in to do the right thing, fight for our country, you know, help out the Iraqi population. And, you know, oh my God, we are actually, you know, flying Chinooks from Baghdad into Fallujah, you know, barely 50 feet above ground, you know, to minimize the chance of getting shot down, you know, 2003, the very beginning of the thing. And here I am like, come by Matic. Ooh, I've seen the movies. I'm ready to like, you know, dart between the bombs and, and take care of my guys, you know, and uh, flying into Fallujah and just setting up the compound in you know, Fob Mercury and going on our first mission, you know, soft skin Humvees, like there's no protection whatsoever. It's just a bunch of dudes, you know, hanging out in the back of this, you know, two or four passenger Humvee. And here I am in the middle, kind of tucked in between, you know, uh, uh, riflemen and just watching out the back, you know, I'm, I'm first mission out the, uh, out the wire, you know, all I have is a nine mil pistol and I'm like pulling rear security <laughs> with a nine mil. Wow. Like, what am I going to do with that? You know what I mean? Like in the grand scheme of things, it's, and then just the transformation of like the maturing that took place, you know, over those uh, six month deployment, uh, it was incredible. And that could not have happened. Your your transformation couldn't have happened any other way except through that experience no. or one right. like that. Going so, through that tough time and tribulation of you know life was where you like we like we talk about reading and we talk about studying and preparing, but. Until you truly experience things, you know, and you, you make the do the right decisions or you make the mistakes to learn about yourself and others and, and the things that you your craft, even, you know, you begin to re that's how you mature overall and become better prepared for life in the future, I, I guess. Yeah. So so in those circumstances, you know, there's this adage that that we default to the level of our training in circumstances yes. like that from a from either a values a spiritual or leadership perspective what did you default to when the going got tough i mean outside of your military training i appreciate yep. and respect all of that but yep. I, i'm looking for the vinny component right there the vinny component so to me when especially like in the in that it wasn't so much relying on the military training to get through it it was more the spiritual piece of it where uh, I, I really got into, you know, my religious side again that I had basically forgotten for a few years. You know, I got really spiritual again, you know, whether it was praying, meditating, you know, reading scripture. Uh, it got me interested in that realm again, basically like communing with God in a way, you know, daily to talk about what I'm going through, what I'm thinking, you know, give me the strength to persevere, things like that. That amazing. Uh, biggest obstacle you had to overcome during that first deployment? Uh, probably. I mean, as a medic, train up, obviously you do a lot of things, but everything has always been 
up until that point in the army training, at least, you know, you're, you're playing with mannequins, you're, you're, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of the things, the tools that we have nowadays for training purposes, you know, so a lot of times that, you know, you put a, uh, a splint on your body for training purposes, you know, but until you see like true trauma, you know, the first dead body, like, you know, catastrophic trauma, you know, that's when it really like, oh man, this is real. You know, this is not a training exercise. This is not a training event at all. It's like, this is real life. Wow. I can't fathom that. Cannot. Um, Vinny, I'm curious when, when you came back after your first deployment, even after your second deployment, what was the hardest transformation you had to go through and reorienting, not necessarily to civilian life, but to, to a different framework for living, right? You're not on yeah. the battlefield anymore. Uh, it was very difficult the first time. Uh, and I mean, uh, one could argue that you never really go back to what you were before. You know what I mean? Um, in a way, I was, especially after the first deployment, very disdained with a lot of things in life. I had a hard time uh, accepting a lot of what life was like coming back because you get so used to, like, I mean, this is Iraq, third world country. You're, it's a different culture. You're, you're living in an austere environment for sure, right? Uh, your daily life exposure to, you know, injury, death, trauma. Uh, as a medic, you see everything, you know what I mean? So um, coming back to like, okay, I can drive my car and go to a restaurant, you know what I mean? Or, or I can watch, you know, television or like cell phones are becoming a thing. Like I can, you know, get a text message. What What is a text message? You know, like it was weird because it was such a, trans a weird transition back into that normal, like, you know, happy-go-lucky lifestyle that we live basically here uh without really worrying about you know what's going to happen in the next five minutes you know is that is that pile of rubble on the side of the road you know a potential ied you know is there is there are there snipers on the rooftop like you you don't think about that stuff you know on a day-to-day -day, but so that transition was really obviously difficult and i mean you could argue that you never fully transitioned back from it you know what i mean yeah, and I know P PTSD and and the statistics around suicide in the military are absolutely alarming. Um, yeah. I'm I'm curious what your perspectives are from a from a resource or asset perspective. What are we missing in helping people transition back to whatever normal is back here? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I would argue that I mean. I've seen a transformation in the military, right, from, you know, what behavioral health was almost 20 years ago when I first joined to what it is now. Um, 20 years ago or 18, 15 years ago, even, it was one of those, like, you didn't talk about it. You know, you dealt with it yourself. If you did see, you know, somebody go into the clinic, you know, they're like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? Kind of ostracized in a way. Um, and I even look back, like, once I came back, from Iraq the first time, uh, I became a senior line medic and then I had three medics under me, became a team leader. I had a squad of, you know, 11 medics that I was you know, overseeing the, the line medic squad, if you will, in, in, in that leadership position. Then I started having to take care of those guys as well with their, you know, emotional and behavioral health issues. And there was a massive stigma back in the day you know what i mean and and it was tough because i know personally guys who 
from that time frame that probably should have received help back then that never did. And gladly, there some of them are now. Some of them, unfortunately, they can't because you know it got the best of them, and and they you know eventually committed suicide along the way. Um, so it's tough, but I can say with from my perspective of what I see, at least, uh, still being in the healthcare prof profession in the military, that that stigma has changed dramatically. It is a lot more accessible. There are programs and briefings, you know. It, you shake a stick out, you know, you, you, you're going to have at least once, you know, a quarter or a month, you're going to have training on resiliency, suicide awareness, you know, PTSD-like issues um, that help and encourage people to get help if necessary. Yeah. Is, is from your experiences and in, in your connections, is there anything someone can say to someone who's suffering that that either opens the door for the ask for help. So it's not so hard or mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't know. I'm looking, looking for. So the, short, so I don't know. We, there's a, there, there's different training programs that we do, obviously not just to like become self-aware, but like to observe peers. Right. And the biggest thing really is like, don't beat around the bush. If you see somebody that could potentially be struggling with, you know, life, for issues it's never just like oh how are you doing like you know if you see that it's an actual possible problem like be direct like what's going on man are you okay are you thinking about you know killing yourself like you have to use the the harsh language you know because that is what's gonna like i've seen people say no 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 i'm okay and they truly are okay maybe they're just having a bad day but i have also experienced where like yes man i almost killed myself two days ago you know like those instances like makes me emotional actually thinking about it. Um, it does truly help that individual to have the courage, you know, to say, yes, I am thinking about it. So take action and use the harsh, the harsh words. Take, take action. Yep. Be like, don't beat around the bush. Don't say, oh, you're going to hurt yourself. Like, no, are you thinking about committing suicide? You think about killing yourself, like be direct. You know what I mean? That's what really triggers them to, like, oh, he's serious about it. He's not just like being nice, asking how I'm doing. You know, he's truly caring. Like he wants to know what's going on with me. Yeah. And you're, you're taking ownership of someone else, right? You're right. leading them to, to the resource, the help that they need that they can't do by themselves. Yeah. Wow. Well, Vinny, look, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you so much for your, for your time. I just have a couple of last questions for you. Sure. Um, Vinny today, what is the Vinny. legacy of leadership that you're wanting <laughs> to leave behind? So I've been fortunate uh, through my career to have had opportunities to lead soldiers. Um, I spent years as an instructor uh, teaching medics and non-medics non to become medics. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be a platoon sergeant and I'm coming out of being a first sergeant right now. So to me, that's been the greatest joy of my career is actually having have the opportunity to pass on knowledge and instruct them, you know, my replacements, if you will. So that's probably uh, the, the coolest thing about it is like I've read so many books on leadership. I've had all the you know levels of training that the Army can have. Um, but ultimately, as a leader, like you have to be yourself, like don't try to like portray yourself as this person who you're not like. You know, I'm the easygoing guy who like 
cares about his soldiers. At least I perceive myself that way. And I think that my soldiers see me that way too. So that's, that's a legacy that I think I hope I leave behind is like to the junior leaders that I mentor at least is that you want to be approachable. You want to show emotion and compassion and you want to be able to, you want your people to feel like they can come to you and because you, they will be heard and you will address their issues. You may not solve their problems because sometimes you just can't fix it. Right. But at least you, you can explain to them why things are the way they are. Awesome. Vinny, if people wanted to connect with you, um, through social media, how can they find you? Uh, the best way I would say probably Instagram. Uh, my Instagram name is airbormatic13 uh, or email even probably, uh, which is airbormatic13 at gmail.com. Fantastic, Vinny. Look, I, I I have always known that heroes walk amongst us and I'm just so thankful <laughs> that I made this Don't connection like with yep. you because um, I have such respect for for you and your brothers in arms that that make it possible for us to do what we do and to be a um, healthcare professional as well. Um, you you are a tremendous leader and transformer out there, certainly a beacon of light and strength and courage for many. So thank you very much, Vinny. I appreciate, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to connect and uh, tell a little bit about me, I guess.